Rush Hour podcast brought to you by Nicorette Quick Mist for fast craving relief. Use only as directed. A heap of stories breaking in the league, including a coach apparently about to be sacked. Kieran Foran signs on with the club, and Tony Williams supposedly finds a new club. We'll cut to the truth shortly. Rabs is here as we look back at the finals. A blow for the GWS Giants, and Novak Djokovic's gamesmanship question. Welcome to the Rush Hour. Busy Monday, and for the first time in a long time, you and I are working together, Rabs, on the Rush Hour. How are you? I'm fine, thanks, Dan. Yeah, I'm uh, okay after a fairly big weekend and an enjoyable weekend, mm. I've got to tell you. Uh, particularly that match yesterday, it was just... Uh, a fantastic afternoon. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It sure. It's my favourite game too, and it was probably the well, it was the blowout of the weekend. Um, we will get to those games shortly, but uh, we've got some stories that, as we said in the opener, there uh, might be on the verge of breaking. So we've brought in Rabbi, our man uh, from the Australian, and of course Triple M NRL, Brent Reed. Hello, Reedy. Hello, Dan. Hello, Rabs. Hey, Brent. Uh, what do you got for us, son? Well, obviously the Kiwis are across the Tasmans where it's all happening today. I mean, obviously uh, this morning there were suggestions Kieran Form was about to sign on the dotted line with the with the Warriors on a one-year deal, and now the news has come out, come out that Steve Kearney looks like he'll be announced as early as tomorrow as a new coach. So, uh, interesting. They're two blokes who, who know each other really well, Kieran and Steve, obviously, and they helped the Kiwis to the top of the world rankings, the world test rankings. So it appears, though, the Warriors are hoping they can do the same uh, in the NRL. Okay, are we locking these in, Reedy, that uh, Kearney in, McFadden out? Uh, it looks that way, Dan. They've been conducting a, re- a thorough review of the place, actually, in the last month or, well, since the season finished. And obviously, that review's now come to a close. And it looks as though Steve Kearney will get that job. And as I said, probably as early as tomorrow. I, the Kieran one, I don't think is locked in yet. I spoke to his godfather this afternoon, Dan. The, the Don McKenna, the guy's actually helping him out. And Don said, look, he hasn't even met with the NRO, NRO yet. So I think the suggestion that this will happen in the next 24 hours, we're away of it being announced. Now, whether they agree in the next 24 hours and then Kieran goes and meets the NRL and they green light it all, then that could happen. But I don't, I don't think we can expect Kieran to be announced anytime soon. I think he's still got to meet the NRL. There's still some hoops to jump through before the NRL gives out the green light. So they may reach an agreement, mm-hmm. but whether they, they're in a position they can announce it, uh, tomorrow, the day after, I don't think it's that close to being announced. Well, it's under the uh, it's under the watch of a bloke called Jim Doyle. Of course, he was high mm. up uh, in a high ranking position, I should say, with the NRL, and he's he's highly respected. He would know the exact protocol to observe. Uh, he would talk to Kieran. He would get his uh, his word for the fact that he's coming there, and and Foran certainly is a man of his word when you think about what he went through to go to Parramatta, and then he could have pulled out, but. Doyle's a smart man. He's not going to mm. rub. He's not going to rub. You know what? In the face of the NRL, oh, but he'll yeah. get his man. There's no doubt about that. Kearney, that's a different different kettle of fish, isn't it? Uh, although he's to be forgiven for what looked like a failure at Parramatta. I mean, he's not the only one, is he? No. Well, Ricky no. Ricky followed and failed, and whoever proceeded. Um, uh, Stephen Kearney, who did precede Stephen Kearney, was it Daniel Anderson? Well, he had a good run, but it came to a, an abrupt halt. Um, and obviously, his record at the Kiwis is pretty good. Tony Williams, uh, and I, actually, let me give credit to the people that have broken these stories. It was the Daily Telegraph with the uh, Mc, uh, the uh, McFadden story. The mole from Rugby League Week he put out that Foran was going to sign on tomorrow, and the Herald has got Tony Williams supposedly signing on with the Sharks. Is that on the money, Rudy? Well, Dan, I mean, he was linked with St. George Illawarra a couple of months ago, wasn't he, or a mid-season move. So, look, there's obviously not a deal from Canterbury, and we can see from the reaction yesterday, I think, 
Uh, obviously, I don't think Des was overly happy with him in half time in that game, and and the dogs <laughs> need, need to the dogs need to make some moves, don't they? So he's obviously on the market, and Cronulla threw a lot of money at Matchelet. They 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 went very very hard at Matchelet. They're obviously in the market for a back rower, and and Tony he's had a couple of tough years, but if you can get the best out of him, he's arguably the best front rower who's still a uh, back rower who's still available on the market. So it probably makes a bit of sense, to be fair. Okay. All right. Well, we wait and see if that one services. You'd probably get him a bit cheaper too, I would imagine, Rudy. Oh, well, he was on, I think he was on ridiculous money, 600, 650000 a year at Canterbury, six hundred. I mean, he wouldn't, you know, after the season he's had or the couple of seasons he's had, you could argue he wouldn't get half that in the open market. So he'd be a good signing at that price, I'd suggest, if you can get the best out of him and if you can convince him to stop shoulder-charging blokes. <laughs> Yeah, that's a fair point you make. He he might need a bloke like Chris Waller, who's a horse trainer. Get him training him. Oh, the whisperer. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, he's, I say- he's got all the ability, like Rudy said, but at the end of the day, he, he's had some magnificent coaches. Uh, how do you get it out of him? How do you get him to realise how damn valuable he is to the team? All right, we better let you go, Rudy, because you're at the Brad Fittler Awards, uh, Award Night, the... Uh, uh, always strange when a team loses an Origin Series and they have a big awards night, but that that's happening uh, tonight. And you've got your penguin suit on. We've got oh hello, Tony Archer has admitted an error from yesterday's game. It's just uh, coming through here, so stay tuned, Canterbury fans. You might want to hear it. It's the Rush Hour here on Triple M. This Rush Hour podcast brought to you by Nicorette Quick Mist for fast craving relief. News only as directed. Triple M. We play that at one and a half time speed. It is the rush hour on the M's, and we do the show again this week for Nicorette Quick Mist. They are Australia's number one quit smoking brand. Use only is directed, and any time we talk footy on the show, and we do lots of it, it's for totally workwear. They just don't do workwear. Uh, they also have a great range of hospitality gear. Find your local store at totallyworkwear.com.au. Now, media release here from the Cowboys, Rabbi. Um, Jason Taumalolo and Tau Tau Monga have been fined $2,500 by the club for their involvement uh, in the egging uh, last week. Both men plus three other players have also agreed to pay for any damages that have been incurred. Well, they're going to pay for any damage that they've done to the image of the game is the first thing I think of. But uh, I can't believe that men, in fact, I'm sure they're men, uh, looking at Tal Malolo, he's a big man, but my God, it's a childish act. Can I ask one question, though? Were they throwing eggs at cars, plural, or just at a car? I mean, I'm probably alluding to what I'm thinking, that maybe it was a personal thing. Well, I mean, it's that childish, I'm thinking it might have been a, pers- a personal thing. Uh, it goes to court, so I gather that will come out. There's been a whisper that there's more to this than, than meets the eye, and maybe there yeah, is something. Yeah, and that's what I'm alluding to, yeah, Dan. So I, I'm thinking there's something personal here. I cannot believe a bloke that is big, strong, tough, one of the most feared blokes in the game uh, when it comes to tackling him would be out there throwing eggs at a car. Uh, and it certainly had an effect on Tamil, although he had uh, statistically one of his... A game. A quiet, yeah, less than 100 metres, very few runs... Um, yeah. So it, it it got him. So he, he paid the price on the field. Uh, the other story that just came through, I'm reading this from the Sydney Morning Herald website, uh, NRL referees boss Tony Archer has conceded, and we will get to on-field stuff in a minute, uh, everyone, I promise, but these are the news stories. Refs boss Tony Archer has conceded his whistleblowers blundered in not referring the controversial Josh Morris no-call to the multi-million dollar bunker. 
uh, if I go through here and find the quotes. Archer said on Monday it should definitely have been referred for further scrutiny. And the reason for that is the closeness the ball gets to the line, he told the official NRL website. You can see the referee Maxwell is coming across the field and he needs to have clear vision and see the ball all the way to determine whether or not it has reached the line. And on it goes. Billy Harrigan at the time in the, on the Triple M call said it wasn't a try anyway, um, so there was no point going upstairs. I agree with Bill. Um, I thought I was watching, if you like, and I, I thought SESE a few weeks ago, I thought it was a try for your life. In fact, I'm, I will never be convinced it wasn't a try. But given that that's the, the rule, the way they applied it, um, then I thought, well, Josh Morris is a double movement. But at the end of the day, I the picture I saw didn't suggest to me that it got to the line. And really, we're becoming a little bit hypocritical, aren't we? You know, we, we love a referee pointing to the spot. We love a referee basically abandoning the parachute that is the bunker. And then when he doesn't do it, now he's getting castigated by his own boss. The point I'm trying to make is you can't have your cake and eat it too and I think we're, I mean the media, we're becoming, we're becoming more of the problem than we need to be, to be honest with you. We, we bag them when they do and we bag them when they don't. No, you're 100% right. Des did say, I mean, Des opened this up for discussion because he, he said in the press conference, which we, we played after the game last night, that he wished that the referee did go to the bunker, but you're 100% right. Yeah, I, I probably do too, but that's with hindsight. Yeah. You know, Jared Maxwell, whether he was positioned or not, I haven't looked at it closely enough, but... The picture I saw suggested that the ball came down perilously close to the line and he had the kahunas to say play on, basically. See, I'm, I actually thought he did get to the line, but with you, imagine how many slow-motion replays we would have got of Morris's arm touching the ground and then well, that, that, was right. he rolled over by the defence or did he promote himself? It would have Either way, we would have had a farcical situation where exactly. half the people and, would have been and, unhappy no matter what the decision. That's true, um, but let me let me uh, take you back to the, the, the use of the word slow motion. Um, again, the media, myself included, we say, oh, let them watch it in real time. Never mind about slowing it down and freeze frame. Even the newspapers have got stills. And if it hadn't have been for the stills in the newspapers, if it hadn't have been for the slow-mo replays, Jack Whiten is guilty for your life and he gets a week or he gets two weeks. So the slow-mo was important really to prove that Jack Whiten had separation between the upper arm and the, and the rib cage. So again, there's, there's this hypocrisy that comes into it and I'm, I'm putting myself in the same pot, by the way. You know, I'm ready to complain when they don't go to the bunker and then I'm ready to complain when they don't, they don't point to the spot. So... How do you win if you're a referee, honestly? We'll get to the Raiders and the Panthers shortly, but I want to ask you this. You called the game in Melbourne. It seemed like the highest quality game in terms of efficiency. There were very few errors to the point they almost cancelled each other out. Were North Queensland more impressive in losing than Brisbane were in winning? I can't say that. I I thought Melbourne, yeah, I suppose if there was such a thing as rub of the green, they got most of the rub of the green, but... They're both so clinical, and Melbourne are the masters of, of, of what they do. They, they slow the play the ball down. To be honest with you, I thought it was a dour game. It, mm. it wasn't the game that I think 90% of people are going to retire to the bedroom 
or retire back to the bar and say, what a great game of football. I think they probably thought yesterday's game was much more entertaining. You've almost got to be a purist to understand, I think, the value of the Melbourne game against North Queensland on a Saturday night. I'm You've great. got to be... You understand what I'm saying? I'm I mean, I've done grand finals, Dan. I, I, don't, I hate going back into the past when I... When I know people are probably thinking he's a dinosaur, but I've done a six-four, I've done a four-two. They're bloody hard work, but my God, you know, it's been a, a tremendously defensive grand final, and and I'm trying to make the point that that match on on Saturday night was dour. It certainly wasn't great entertainment unless you're a purist. But if those two sides put on that performance against other teams, they're going to be incredibly hard to beat. Oh, mate, I came away from Melbourne. Um, Do you think that am was I the breaking grand- up? Did or you is th- it my headphones? That's your headphones. Did you think you saw can the you grand? Answer that. Yeah, I can hear you I loud and clear. Take it. That's in the positive. <laughs> okay. um, I came away from Melbourne thinking I just saw the the winner of the premiership. I'm not quite sure which one it is. Okay, this is the rush hour. We'll get Rabs's uh, headphones fixed. Stat and a sports update coming up shortly. This Rush Hour podcast brought to you by Nicorette Quick Mist for fast craving relief. News only as directed. Sports update coming up in a few moments, including Novak Djokovic not doing his reputation much uh, much good, although I'm not sure it warranted all the criticism he's copping. Uh, but, Rabs, we lost a good one um, uh, this week. Uh, one of the great Australian, uh, in fact, I would say iconic uh, commentators. Yeah, he was a, a national treasure, wasn't he? You're referring, of course, mm. to Norman May, who died yesterday at 88 years of age. And I uh, became very good friends with Norman. I didn't see a lot of him, don't get me wrong, but you don't have to to be good friends. And I'll never forget the uh, tutoring that he gave me in the late 80s and then through the early part of the 90s. Uh, I worked with him because his, his eye, uh, keep in mind that he lost an eye as a child, uh, playing bows and arrows and so he only had the sight of one eye and that was fading and Channel 9 asked me to uh, practice up on calling swimming because Norman was going to do co-commentary rather than play-by-play and then I became friends with him and uh, we, we roomed together and God knows what we didn't do together we drunk plenty of uh, drink together I can assure you that was his favourite pastime but he... He was so helpful in teaching me about swimming, to be honest with you. He was a wonderful swimmer, but at the end of the day, he was uh, free, totally free in his disposal or dispersal of his knowledge onto me. And I'll never forget that as long as I live, um, the, the help that Norman May gave me. So I was very sad when I heard that news yesterday, but talking to people that know uh, he was ready to go Uh, we both got inducted into the media hall of fame at the cricket ground a couple of years ago and it was obvious then that his health was fading wasn't he he'd want me to celebrate his life really and i think i just mentioned we had a few drinks together uh, in auckland for the commonwealth games in 1990 the first night of swimming we went back to the hotel we had four or five schooners to tell you the truth we went for dinner in the adjoining dining room. The waiter came up and he said, can I get you some drinks? And Norman said, I'll have your best bottle of red. And I said, I don't drink red, Mr May. He said, I didn't order for you. God love him. God love him. Vale, Norman, mate. Uh, this is the rush hour. 
Five Triple M NRL Finals Moment. Moylan running sideways left, gives it to Mantle, throws out the back to Moylan, then gets it on to Yo. It's a two on one. Yo gets it inside to Peachy. He's taken here, but gets out of one, gets out of another. Ten metres out, inside Moylan. Peter Wallace, Penrith get another. What a try! Penrith go out to an eight point lead. Wallace scores, but Tyrone Peachy, that was sensational. Triple M, the home of finals footy. Rush Hour podcast brought to you by Nicorette Quick Mist for fast craving relief. Use only as directed. Ah, oh, yes, Triple M Rush Hour. I don't think anyone would have an objection, Rabs. Well, anyone, anyone's probably a bit broad, but I think most people would be comfortable if they got chisel again for the grand final. Absolutely. Uh, I, I can't work out why we keep going to America or wherever, England, to find a grand final act. Um, we've got so much talent here. We've got an abundance of it, and they'd love to do the grand final. Of course they would. Uh, by the way, uh, James Roberts, he was meant to uh, have his judiciary hearing tomorrow, which, of course, we would have been there for. That's now been pushed back to Wednesday, so we'll still be there, but it'll be Wednesday, uh, not tomorrow. We might talk about that incident a little bit later on. Let's Magic Glass, your premier glass replacement specialists. Magicglass.com.au Sports update. News in AFL today. Stevie Johnson was charged for rough conduct and is looking at a one-game ban. If he fights and loses, it's two matches and goodbye grand final. The Giants will play Saturday week against the winner of Hawthorne Western Bulldogs. The Swans play Adelaide this Saturday at the Sydney Cricket Ground without Kurt Tippett and rising star winner Callum Mills. The Crows beat the Swans by 10 points early in the season in their lone match. Stan Wawrinka has taken his third Grand Slam singles title with a four-set win over Novak Djokovic, but it's the tactics of Djokovic that are the main story. Twice in the fourth set, he took injury or medical timeouts, one when he shouldn't have been allowed to, it has to be at a change of ends. He took it in between uh, games uh, for what appeared to be blisters. And despite the fact he was bleeding, no one appeared to be buying what was going on. Here's a little snippet of the drama. So I've got a left toenail. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's, I need to be clipped. <laughs> the evidence has suggested hundreds of times that it was, uh, you know, people were cramping and they come up with something else. Stan's not buying it. He's sarcastic, you know. Novak can clearly hear what he's saying, too. He wants him to hear. Stan, sorry, man. I couldn't stand. Sorry. Hmm, there you go. He was bleeding rather heavily. There was something going on. Vavrinka is now going reps. No, I've just uh, got so much admiration for... Djokovic, uh, I can't believe he'd be be feigning. I mean, okay, it might be wrong to uh, not wait for the change of ends to take a medical timeout, but just watching the bloke's career, I I, I have trouble believing that he would be taking a dive or using uh, mm. a, an illegal tactic, if that's the right expression. Well, Vavrinka is what a mercurial character. Three and O in Grand Slam finals, and two of those are against Djokovic who remains on 12 slam wins. And in a shining example that uh, football slash soccer fans are hungry to watch anything Premier League, as long as it's not streamed on a one-minute delay, nearly as many people watch the Manchester Derby on SBS as the Wallabies test on 10 and pay TV combined. Over a quarter of a million, 267,000 tuned into SBS to see Man City beat Man U 2-1 at Old Trafford. Now, I know that doesn't compare with AFL and NRL, but that's a massive audience. Man City, uh, the only uh, team to have a perfect record 
after four matches. That is a sports update for Magic Glass. We'll have a news update. We're going to talk a bit of footy uh, shortly here on the Rush Hour. Thanks to Nicorette Quick Mist. This Rush Hour podcast brought to you by Nicorette Quick Mist for fast craving relief. News only is directed. Triple M, this is the Rush Hour. Uh, it's always fun off air here with Rabs and Dan as we do it for... I miss working with you on a, a, a Monday night. I listen to the Wednesday. I used to not listen to days off because it's trying to get away from it. I listen to you and Tony. Haven't you got a lovely little combination happening? I... I haven't used that word to describe it. Uh, oh, Daniel, mate. Oh, Tony, you're so good. And, oh, it's so wonderful working with you. Can you suck up any harder? <laughs> mate, I, I'd rather promote than demote. This is all, no, no, no. Let's tell the truth. This is all to do because you insulted him or you thought you insulted him about three I years did. ago because you said, you said on air... With Tony out there about 10 metres away from us, you've gone, geez, that back page, it's not the same since they, they let Billy Birmingham go. And then you yeah, walked out uh, and saw a horrified look on Tony's face, which actually had nothing to do with what you didn't even hear what you said, but you've been trying to make it up to him ever since. Uh, I haven't really. I've, I've long time been an admirer of his work, but he, he would be the first to understand that I'm a fairly close friend of Billy Birmingham. <laughs> Billy and I... Billy and I first worked together in 1978 at 2GB when they became Mellow Rock. So let me tell you that Billy Birmingham didn't just learn to do a rabs. He's been with rabs since 1978. (laughs) And, mate, when you're in the trenches, as we have been since 1978, you're bound to say something nice about him, but I I said it in the wrong place at the wrong time, and you're right. (laughs) I, I, I felt really bad about it. And, anyway, no, I'm, I'm only joking about... Now the, I feel bad about it again. No, no, no. I'm only just extracting the urine. Uh, who were you most impressed with over the weekend? I know you had a big rap on Penrith yesterday. Oh, mate, I, I just loved watching that game yesterday. I, you know, There's a lot of Canterbury in me. My brother played President's Cup for Canterbury many years ago. But at the end of the day, um, I've got a, an association, obviously, with Gus Gould, and I know how hard he's worked. I, I know that a lot of people don't like the bloke. There's a lot of people don't like a lot of us people in the media, but I've got a great, a great deal of uh, time for Gus, and he's worked his guts out. The new, the new um, uh, general manager up there, I should say the new CEO, Brian Fletcher, is a lovely bloke. The Panthers have been... Uh, you know, just thrilling crowds this year, along with Canberra. They are the two that really are thrilling crowds, and they thrilled me yesterday. Uh, in fact, I've got to tell you that I, I, I went back about 20 years, I think, in, in calling that game because I really got excited. I loved it. And I didn't love it because Canterbury were getting beaten. I loved it because of what Penrith were able to do. Um, and that was a proper final too. Canterbury threw everything they had in the first half. And Penrith, they stood on the ropes, they absorbed the punches, and then... They, uh, yeah. they got them in the second half. and they're per- Absolutely. But I've got to tell you, coming out of the weekend, you asked me a question, I should have finished it. Mate, Melbourne serve notice that, you know, they are without any doubt the team to beat. In fact, I said, I think I said when the headphones went down that I think I saw the winner of the grand final there on Saturday night in Melbourne and I've got a funny feeling the lap of honour will be done by people wearing purple jumpers. Mm, uh, yes, they'll get a, a home prelim at Amy against either Penrith or Canberra. Absolutely. The other side. You always get what appears to be a, a, a stronger side and a weaker side and that's probably insulting to... I mean, Canberra now uh, are in a position where they have to do it without Josh Hodgson. 
he's going to be named, but it's it, they're talking grand final at earliest. So Penrith are in prime position there. They haven't won in Melbourne for 11 years, so if they get past Canberra, they're going to have to rattle some, uh, remove some demons there. The other side... Yeah, it's a bit like... Uh, Hodgson is a bit like Ennis was uh, with Canterbury um, in 2014, wasn't it? Yeah, t- take him out and they, they, they struggled against yeah. South. That, and Hodgson is very much like Michael Ennis, uh, and he's so important to what Canberra can do. But, uh, look, um, they they keep talking about Penrith being the team of the future. Why not the now? Present, the present might be the future. That's what I keep saying to Gus. For God's sake, Gus, you're so pessimistic. I said, you are the prince of pessimism. <laughs> he said, mate, he said, they're two years away. He said, if I had Farai and Hiku... He said, I, I, I'd be a bit more confident. What more could Peachy do? What more could oh, Blake what do? About him? You know, yesterday was just mesmerising watching Moylan and Mansour. They're, My God. They're favourites, aren't they, to beat Canberra? I haven't oh, seen I the odds, so, but you would you think know? that they would go in in a position of strength. I think so, you know, particularly without Hodgson. Um, Canberra's going to miss him so much, as I just said. You know, I'm comparing him with Michael Ennis out of that Canterbury side. But, look, I think Penrith will start favourites on Saturday night, but I, I have got huge doubts about anybody beating either Melbourne or Cronulla, uh, Melbourne or North Queensland, the Cowboys. Oh, North uh, Queensland. watching them on Saturday night. They, they just grind their way to victory. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, another sports update, and we'll wrap it up. Uh, another That was another rugby league uh, break for Totally Workwear as we do the rush hour for Nick Red Quick Mist. A Triple M NRL finals moment. You come to Suncorp and it doesn't matter what jersey you got on, whether it's a New South Wales one or a, a Titans one, you get a, you get a rough rub of the green. And, uh, it was no different tonight. I, I thought a couple of those calls were dubious. Triple M, the home of finals footy. This Rush Hour podcast brought to you by Nicorette Quick Mist for fast craving relief. News only is directed. Triple M NRL, the home of all the finals on Friday night. We'll be calling North Queensland versus Brisbane. What a mouth-watering game that is. Uh, One-point margins and golden point last three times they've met. Uh, we'll be on air from 6 o'clock. And uh, we're on air from 7, I believe, on Saturday night for... Uh, the Canberra-Penrith game where uh, we get the Viking clap. You've never done the Viking clap, have you? You've, sounds like a condition, but uh, you've uh, you've never experienced that, Rabbi, and you're calling the game for nine on Saturday, so uh, this is... Uh, you get to experience this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's been three years in Canberra in the police force, um, so it's a bit of a bit of a return home for me in many ways. I, I play football down there against Ricky's dad, Les. You want to tell that story or not? No, I don't. No, I don't particularly want to tell you about the day we we went to Captain's Flat, a team of policemen, and finished up going back to our cars and all the tyres had been let down <laughs> because we, we actually beat Captain's Flat and Les, that's Ricky's daddy, got sent off for throwing a punch at me and I took a dead set swan dive. I, I milked a penalty and Les got sent off. Rabs, Rabs told me in the ad. He told me that story. Yeah, and, I know. I and he know said, "For God's say. sake, don't repeat that on air." And then you've just gone and done it yourself. Yeah, but you, I've, I've, I've tried to tutor you, blokes, you and Friedman, and of course he's a bit of a, a blockhead. You know, you, you start cracking in jokes, and then you don't go on with it, and you leave the listener hanging there. And so, what were they alluding to? So, when you brought the subject up, I thought I'd better tell it anyway. <laughs> All right, here we go. Let's do this. 
Oh, sports update. No. Sports update. League news for Brighton's lawyers protecting your future. The Broncos will fight James Roberts' contrary conduct charge. Uh, now, we'll be there Wednesday night when the hearing is uh, set to, pivotal term. Who set put to it begin. back to Wednesday, can I ask? I don't. We don't know. Perhaps it's a, a flight problem again. I don't know the real reason. So th- this just came on our desk uh, uh, this afternoon, but it's on Wednesday. Now, it makes sense that he fights only because it's one week you know, fight and lose or, or, or just accept. So you might as well roll the dice. But do you think he's got any chance of beating that charge? Not really. <laughs> okay, that wraps that up. That's thanks to Brighton's lawyers. Last week we told you about a college football game being played at a NASCAR racetrack. The official crowd, 156,000 people oh, plus. Wow. wow. Imagine the toilet queue. <laughs> and you should oh, have seen Can it. you imagine? Yeah, imagine trying to get a drink. <laughs> they sh- it's amazing, isn't it? There's two big queues, one to get a drink and the next one is to go to the toilet. Only at the football is the men's queue longer than the women's. You remember years and years ago, always the ladies' queue would be longer. Now, oh, mate, you go half-time at Suncorp or at, or at the footy stadium, you can't get in. I don't know why I said that. Uh, you should see a photo of this game. 156,000. Sounds amazing. Honestly, there are people that would have been 250 metres away from the action. You know, it's amazing the crowds they get to motor racing. It doesn't matter what form of motor racing. We did an OB, Dead Set Legends OB, me and Mo, many years ago out at Eastern Creek. Absolutely 55,000 people there, I think it was. Got to go. This Rush Hour podcast brought to you by Nicorette Quick Mist for fast craving relief. News only as directed.